This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 158 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. It was not a good week for the Panthers between an unexpectedly poor performance in basketball against Northeastern on Sunday afternoon and a deluge of transfer portal entries from the football team. We'll cover all of that and a bit more, but first let's talk a little bit about this week in basketball. On Thursday evening, the Panthers hosted NAIA opponent Middle Georgia State, defeating the Knights 79-53 behind a 19-point performance from Jermaine Mann and significant contributions from Brendan Tucker and Danny Stubbs. Sunday's game against former CAA foe Northeastern was an entirely different story, however, as the Panthers fell 66-46 to to the Huskies while shooting only 27.9% from the floor and just 5% from behind the arc. So, gentlemen, uh, two different games in basketball to talk about, a lot of different things that we can take from both of those. What you got? So, I guess we're going to out ourselves here that we weren't able to watch either of us on Sunday game against northeastern i think we both watched the game on thursday um but that we show really, did that game didn't really tell us much i mean granted if that was the one they lost by 20 they would have told us a lot um but they won that one comfortably in the end after a little bit of a slow start and i think this is one you had circled because it was a one in five um northeastern team coming in i believe that you're going on the road for the first time you don't really know what to make of it but it's a team you felt like you could hang with, if nothing else. And so obviously, when you look at the result, it speaks for itself. And I am sure it has turned a lot of heads in Georgia State fandom. You know, this wasn't expected. This isn't the type of game Georgia State has played basically at all in the last decade. Uh, complete no-show, especially on the road, especially against a team that you don't feel like you should lose by 22. Best I can say is it doesn't really match with some of the other results this year, even the losses, even some of the closer games, closer losses to your Georgia Techs, your Belmonts. And so I think your hope is it was a weird first road game, just a game where none of the shooting clicked. And so you were not in a position you were going to be able to win the game. Because if, you know, that's the team and if that's the offensive performances, you're going to get through the rest of non-conference and conference play obviously it doesn't bode well and so i don't i don't want to say throw it out because that's of course what you would say about a game georgia state lost by 20 but it is an outlier relative to the other performance we've seen in non-conference and so i'm at least pumping the brakes on driving the bus off a cliff yeah, I'm not I'm I'm going to echo that. I'm not here to drive any buses off any cliffs because they scored 17 points in the first half. And we've talked about how this the offense for the Panthers hasn't been it hasn't been consistent, I would say. You know, it's kind of come along as the season's kind of gone on, but 17 points in the first half is not something that this team has done even when they've struggled. Um and I think a little bit of that could possibly be they've only played games in the Georgia State Convocation Center and they had to go travel to Boston on a Sunday. And, you know, it's a beautiful campus over there in Northeastern, but that's a long way from Atlanta, Georgia. So, uh, you know, and they scored 29 points in the second half and it was a much more balanced second half, you know, a, if you compare that to what Northeastern did. So, 
it's it's tough because you don't want to throw anything out and you know the three-point shooting woes kind of continue um yeah like jordan mentioned like the you know five percent from three i would i would not like that number if there was half as many attempts but there were 20 attempts and you know that's it's a little concerning um but i can't sit here and say that there are things about this game that don't make sense to me or that kind of surprise me, you know, and that's, I think that's the problem with kind of trying to break down this game is, I mean, like I said, it's their first road game. It's, you know, it's still largely a group of guys who don't have chemistry together, don't have chemistry, you know, playing basketball on a college basketball court. And is that an excuse? Yeah, I I can understand somebody saying that's an excuse, but it's just kind of the reality of this group. Yeah, the other number that jumps out like flaming big letters is that they got out rebounded 50 to 24. And I don't think this is going to be that bad of a rebounding team. So this is the thing where because I wasn't able to actually put my eyes on the game, I don't really know what happened there except that I can look at the box score and see that Nawaga got 14 himself. And so obviously they had a guy who was able to be the best post player in the game and they weren't wearing Georgia State's colors. The other thing is that there were seven of 10 on free throws, but they only took 10. And it's something that I talked about at least one time on here. I know I've mentioned it off the pod as well, that with this team finding itself offensively, let's call it, we know that they've got good foul shooters and the games where they're going through lulls, where they're just not getting shots to fall. They have to be able to stem that by getting into the foul line. And 10 is just not enough of a number there to stem one of 20 from three. And I think David's right that 20 is a probably too big of a number. I mean, it's a thing where it's like, you can't really like, you've got to keep taking them. You can't just say we aren't a three point shooting team. We're not going to take threes ever. The thing that even that I was able to see in the middle Georgia state game a little bit is I think they were a little bit trigger happy with them. And that bears out in another game where they took 20 despite only hitting one. And I think it's a case of maybe in the middle of Georgia state game, it was the staff told guys, okay, get shots up in this game. If you get threes, like we're trying to get those numbers up. So take more of them. So the percentages start to look a little bit better. And so we can't say for sure. There wasn't a idea of going into the game. They knew they were going to do that, but I just think that they're looking for them a little bit too much, given that they're just not making hardly any of them. Bottom five in three-point percentage gets the one opponents. I think it's second to last or last now. I think it's it's hovered in the bottom five the last couple of games, and it's finally bottomed out after this game. You know, I think that guys like Evan Johnson and Brendan Tucker can make them. And I think that you know, they should maybe take them when they're open. Danny Stubbs has shown he can make some. There aren't a ton more that I really want because even if you look at Jaheim Hudson, I think he has shown he is able to make threes. I just think I'm unsure if you want him banking out on the perimeter instead of being inside and trying to get his offense going there more. Um, But I guess we'll see and... I mean, there's nothing really more I can say about that game just because it's like if, if you miss that many shots, if you just never find it on offense, if you start from such a low hole, you're not going to do much. And if that's going to be the offense that we get in the rest of the non-con, 
that's going to be troubling and that's going to lead to some really lopsided scores. So you're just going to have to gonna hope that it's the lower outlier that we're going to see. You know, the one, the one maybe thing you could put between these two games is the slow starts. And I can't really think of a real good fast start they've had. So that might be something that is a trend that would be worrying. But as far as, you know, the loss by 20, we're just going to have to see if it's a trend or if it was just a blip. Yeah, I would be way more concerned um, about the one for 20 if I didn't think that they were so good at getting points in the paint. You know, I know that there's multiple ways to get a two-pointer, um, and I don't have necessarily their season percentage in front of me on two pointers, but I know what I see. And I see a team, I see a group of guys, Jermaine Mann specifically on Thursday, he was doing this a lot. He was getting his shot inside the arc. He was doing exactly what he wanted to Brendan Tucker as well. And those were the first game that those two guys came back for, you know, they were sidelined a little bit with some, you know, nagging stuff. And, you know, and I think that's key. Like, yeah, we've seen some really good three point shooting Georgia state teams. We've seen some guys who are really good at, you know, creating their own shot outside or moving off the ball, you know, getting passes open and into the corner. And they're just waiting there for a wide open shot. Like that's great. I don't think this is going to be that team. And yeah, I think, they're going to live and die by that necessarily. You know, the better teams are going to be able to shoot threes all over them. Um, And, you know, Georgia state, like look at the Belmont game, you know, Georgia state just was not able in the second half to keep pace with Belmont simply because Belmont could just hit their threes. Um, But I also don't think it's going to be this bad. It would be a shocker if it remained this bad, but how good is it going to get that? I don't know. I'll be honest. I really don't know. And it obviously doesn't immediately get easier because the team has 10 days off between games. And then the next game is heading to Auburn, who is a top 20 Ken Palm team, one of the better defensive teams in the country and clearly the best defensive team that Georgia state will face and, or has faced to the, this season. And so right when you're coming off your worst offensive performance, exactly who you want to face is a team that, makes everyone bad offensively. Uh, but that is what's on the schedule for Georgia State next on December 14th. I think the 10 days can be important because, uh, you know, one, they have to sit with that performance for a long time. And also it just is a lot of time where without any games, guys like Evan and Brendan who haven't played as much finally get a real stretch of just practice where they're not worried about a game where they're, able to hone in on some of these things and so you know sitting here i'm not really expecting this massive switch to where oh they're competing with auburn but like if we're talking about a world where auburn gets played closer by georgia state than northeastern did like i would not rule that out as just a possibility because you know sports are weird and that happens where it's like oh you lost by 20 to northeastern of course you're going to get creamed by auburn and then it ends up being like a 15 point game and it's like oh just kidding i'm not going to predict anything ever again but you know if the things that happened in the game against northeastern continue or even some of the the slow start stuff continues this won't be the game that's going to play out that won't be what plays out like that is a recipe for disaster playing auburn on the road 
going into that building with those fans feeding off of the team having a hot start like that is not your formula for success but you know this wasn't necessarily like we kind of knew with all that the team was losing it was going to be kind of a weird year and so i think you just take what you can get from this game um dust yourself off try and you know keep it respectable obviously and then going through the rest of non-conference find some positive mojo going again because right off the bat in conference play you start with james madison at home who have been gangbusters in the early going and so i think you're just gonna want to have found something again offensively especially in the next few games it starts with auburn then you play rhode island then you've got tacoa falls and that's the one where it feels like a nice reset before conference play uh, but it does start with Auburn, and maybe the best thing that you're going to go into this game, heavy underdogs, SEC country, and you know they're going to test you with their defense. Maybe that works out to be something that the team can be ready for. It'll be a good test, you know? I mean, there, there's a way that – there is a universe where Auburn blows out Georgia State and Georgia State still plays well. So, you know, you just want to – take something and kind of grow from where you think the team should be heading into conference play. And of course, as we promised earlier, uh, a deluge of transfer portal action, not in the Panthers favor this week as 13 players, as of the recording of this podcast have elected to enter the transfer portal since last week, uh, including Defensive lineman Akeem Smith, defensive lineman Thomas Gore, outside linebacker Jamil Muhammad, offensive lineman Jonathan Bass, safety Antavius Lane, wide receiver Jacob Freeman, defensive end Trey Moore, quarterback Keelan Brown, linebacker Jamarian J.T. Ellis, wide receiver Jalen Tolbert, quarterback Steven Krajewski, left tackle Bryson Broadway, and defensive end Omarion Hammond have all entered the portal this week. Uh, gentlemen, what are our thoughts? Uh, you know, I want to start just to say a very blanket and generic statement because the portal is going crazy right now. And Georgia State is not alone in the amount of portal entries that they've had. You know, there are teams around the country who have had who had more success than Georgia State did this year that are also feeling this. I think someone said that there was like 700 people who entered the portal today, December 6th or something like that. So, yeah, the portal is going crazy right now. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, there's no way to spin it. Like, And we aren't interested in spinning it. Like, losing guys right out of the a disappointing season is just compiling to where it's like the program's not in the place it was heading in this year with high promise or where people thought it might be after last year's eight win season. And there's a real a rebuilding job to do to get competitive in 2023 and not only be competitive, but get to where people actually want where, you know, you're above 500 again, you're competing for a bowl game and all the other lofty goals that, this program has had in front of it and that the expectation has been building towards. And so this is a, you know, calling it a speed bump would be almost not a big enough word, namely because you're losing Antavius Lane, very good safety, who has been one of your playmakers and been one of the reasons you've been able to have so many takeaways on defense the last couple of seasons and losing Thomas Gore, who 
did a lot of the quiet work, um, but was a really good nose guard, really went about his job. Um, and Jamil Muhammad, I think, didn't have the year that he was hoping for, that people were hoping he was going to have, but the ability was there, and he had really done a nice job of finding his role, switching from quarterback to linebacker, and it seemed like it was building towards a real success story. He enters the portal. We will see where he lands. Those are the three. Like, I know it's a big number, but those are kind of the three that stand out to me as far as, like, you really didn't want to lose those guys because a big handful of the other guys never played meaningful minutes for Georgia State. And some of that was, you know, Marion Hammond's a guy who's a freshman who basically wasn't here very long at all and is, you know, testing the portal, going to probably find a new home. You know, you can't really say he was a loss, but you also can't say that he couldn't have been a contributor down the line because you don't know. But like as far as guys that you were counting on going into 2023, the big three ones were those three. And those are big losses. And those are now all, you know, three guys that you're going to have to have someone in mind from outside to come in and replace because, you know, that's your safety. It's one of your outside linebackers who you're going to have rushing the quarterback. And that's your nose guard. Like those are all very, very important positions to replace. And you're kind of hoping that you were not going to have to replace anyone major other than the seniors you were losing. You're hoping to just kind of add on because you were starting from a four and eight proposition and you felt like you were behind the eight ball already. So you know, clearly a job is on for coach Elliott and the staff. And we had talked about last week on the space, you know, 2023 is a really important year. And so this was certainly not the way that anyone needed it to start. No one needed it. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Nobody needed it to start this way. And, you know, I don't even take solace in the fact that other teams are having to deal with this because I think a big problem for some schools that never find, you know, their footing and, you know, reach their goals is that high turnover. Like, yes, obviously, you know, you mentioned that there's only three huge losses for Georgia State. You know, other guys that had some level of playing time and experience, you know, and things like that. Like, obviously, depth is important. But, I, I, you know, I said something off chat a few weeks ago that this wasn't a team in transition. And, you know, with this, you could probably make the argument that it could be a team in transition. And, you know, and it depends on what the coaches do and, you know, who they're recruiting. You know, Coach Elliott and company are a little – you know, not as flamboyant as some other coaches are out there in the college football world these days. But, you know, until we get a definitive class and, you know, a look on who some of the transfers are, there's a lot of question marks. And, you know, we knew going into the offseason that there was a lot of playing time to go around. But, man, it's, you know, it's even more plentiful now. And, I mean, that's kind of the selling point. That's kind of where you sit if you're Coach Elliott. It's like you've got you know, the world's your oyster, so to say, with, yes, you lost all these players, but there are a lot out there that are available. And, you know, something that you can say that some other programs can't, and that truthfully, Georgia State has been able to make this selling point the last couple of seasons either, is that you've got jobs up for grabs and snaps up for grabs at pretty premium positions. You know, you look at it, Broadway was the other maybe starter that you lose. 
but you know, I don't know that his position was necessarily set for 2023. I don't know that it results matched on the offensive line to where anyone really had their job safe. And maybe that was part of his decision to go in the portal. We don't have the specifics there, but the point is, is you've got basically every place along the offensive line, maybe bar one where Louis Cristobal could come back at left guard. Travis Glover could come back at uh, whatever place, but you don't really know where he's, you know, he moved around a lot this year. So, you know, you still probably at least have one of the tackle spots that you could probably sell to a potential, a potential transfer. Um, Offensive line spots up for grabs, you know, the ones we mentioned and just other positions that we haven't mentioned yet that just your four and eight team, obviously you weren't able to get everything out of, your team. And so you were looking to upgrade maybe at some spots. And so all of that is there and you have the scholarships and it's the first time really where since, since 2019 that it's not been like this thing where it's like, Oh, this person's back and this person's back. And, you know, Malik Sumter and Pat Bartlett aren't going to be playing for Georgia state anymore. And they've just been stalwarts on the offensive line. And you've kind of had a rolling, okay, this is Dante Wilson's last year, or this is, you know, Hardrick Willis's last year, or this is Hunter Atkinson's last year. But this is like the first major, this was the case anyway, before the portal, really, that you had a big group of seniors who were going to be out of eligibility, like Quay White and like the guys that I mentioned on the offensive line. And so this just adds more uncertainty to it. And it is a situation where you've got a lot of questions to answer and, you know, you're coming off a four and eight season. So the patience for that answer isn't going to be very long, but at the same time, it is just about, you know, that it is where you're at now and you have the opportunity to go out there and with the portal being what it is not saying it's easy or that it's a given that George is going to be able to go out there and replace, but because of the nature of instant eligibility and being able to go out there and get people from all across the country like this, that have college experience, it's not nearly as crazy as it would have been before the portal was what it was. And you were able to get all of these players in, in one off season. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm not saying it's, likely they're going to do it like it's it's a whole journey we're gonna have to go down to see who comes in and how they compete but you know that is the opportunity that's in front of you that you know you wouldn't probably choose it but given where you're at it is what it is and it is where you're at and you do have the ability to go in an offseason and majorly remodel a team and it'll be important you know i think we we're going to look at next year and still probably taper back those expectations, you know, only slightly that the out of conference schedule is a little bit better than it was the last couple of years. But, you know, I think the Sun Belt is it's stingy and it's tough. Um, but yeah, like you said, the opportunity is certainly there. It's just on those relationships that the coaches have and just, you know, finding ways to build a better Georgia State product. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, the pressure is on and there's not. At this point in December, much more we can say we're going to have to see how some of these official visit weekends shake out. I know that you know, before all of this, I'm sure the plan was to get a lot of the client 
at this early signing day in January. And I think that'll still be the case. And that'll certainly be the case with anyone they're looking to bring in from the portal or from Juco or whatever, because they're going to want to get as many people in in January as possible. And you know, like I talked about on last week's Twitter space, competition is going to be, you know, there's going to be so much of it in the spring and that's going to be something that wasn't the case the last couple of off seasons. And so, you know, as there is uncertainty right now, some of that probably gets a little bit more clear as there's people signing on national signing day. And as they're coming to campus in January. And at that point, you know, it doesn't become any more clear as far as August and September, 2023, but as you're starting to get the roster put together, it shouldn't be too long before there's some answers starting to creep in. And we're just going to have to see how all that plays out in the recruiting trail. And all right, that's going to be it for this week. Not a whole lot to discuss, just those couple of basketball game results and the transfer portal news. Uh, men's basketball is in the middle of a 10-day break between uh, Sunday's game against Northeastern that we just discussed and the upcoming game against Auburn on Wednesday night. That game tips off at 8 p.m., will be broadcast on ESPN Plus and WRAS FM 88.5. And then the women will be back in action on Saturday at 2 p.m. when they take on Kennesaw State in Kennesaw. That game will be on ESPN Plus as well. But that's all we've got for this week. Panthers are taking finals this week, and we're going to see you guys next week in the next episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. Until then, have a great week, stay safe, and we'll see you later. Go Panthers!